Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time that we can look at your word together. Lord, we pray that you may give us understanding into your word. Lord, we are sinful creatures and we are blinded to yourself because of our sin. But Lord, by your Holy Spirit and by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, that barrier can be removed. And so, Lord, we ask as we look at your word this morning that we may understand what you have said. And Lord, we pray that this may help us to conquer the sin in our life so that we are able to live more holy lives before you as our loving Heavenly Father. And we pray this in your Son's precious name. Amen. Well, recently someone said to me that in their prayers they don't often ask God for humility, to be humble. And that is something that I think I have to agree with, that it is true that we don't often hear prayer requests for humility. If someone says to you, what can you pray for me? Do you say that I may be more humble? Is that a prayer request that you often give out? And I think it's funny that we don't do that because I think we're actually proud about our humility. If somebody says to you, you're a very proud person, we don't like that. And why is that? Because I think we're proud that we are humble people. We don't like to be told that we're proud. Or if someone says to you, you need to be more humble, we think, no, I've got enough humility. I don't need any more humility. And so that, and the pride in you actually springs up as somebody actually tells you that you need to be less proud. Humility is something that I don't think we think a lot about. And we don't like it because it is attacking on our pride. But the question is, do we actually need humility? Should we be asking people to pray for us for humility? Should we be looking at our own lives and trying to have more humility in our lives? And that's what I want to look at this morning as we come to verses 5 through to verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 5. We've been slowly working through the book of 1 Peter and we've seen instructions there previously about suffering. The whole book is uh, about suffering in some way or other. And then we've seen just in recent weeks about elders and the qualification for elders. In chapter 5, it goes through the different qualifications for elders. And then in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 5, we see that the subject of humility suddenly comes up. And Peter gives us a few things about humility. Firstly, I think he gives us who should be humble. And then I think he tells us why we should be humble. And then he tells us how we can get humility and how we can show humility, how we get and show humility. So I think he gives us three things about humility here in 1 Peter chapter 5, coming after he spoke about suffering and the eldership. And so I encourage you, if you've got a black church Bible there, have it open to 1 Peter chapter 5, which is page 1203, 1203 of the black church Bibles. And so my first main point this morning is about who should be humble. And that main point is then everyone show humility toward others. Everyone should show humility towards others. But to understand that everyone should show humility towards others, we first have to understand what is humility. And that is given to us in verse 5. The whole uh, three verses are about humility, the subject of humility. And we see humility described in verse 5. It says, young men in the same way be submissive to those who are older. Be submissive. And I think that captures what humility is. What is humility? Being submissive to somebody else. Putting yourself at a lower stage 
and serving that person. Instead of doing your will, you allow somebody else's will to happen in your life. That is what humility is. So what do, who should show humility? Well, I said everyone should show humility, but where did I get that from in the text? Because if you look at verse 5, the first kinds of people that are meant to show humility are young men. Verse 5 says, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Young men, be submissive. In the same way, be submissive to those who are older. So the first group of people in a church are definitely young men. They're meant to be the ones who are showing humility in a church. Um, Now, who are they meant to be showing humility toward? Are they meant to be showing humility to everyone or just to certain people? Well, it says there, to those who are older. Now, I don't think that's actually a very good translation there uh, in the NIV of those who are older because the actual word is the same word that, in the word that's translated those who are older is the same word that's actually used earlier in 1 Peter chapter 5 to refer to elders, elders. And I think that this whole, uh, that verse is tying in with what has come previously. And so it's actually saying young men, young men be submissive, not to everybody in the church, that's not the command, but particularly to church elders. And that's because the word there is uh, the same word. I make that decision. And also those little words that are translated in, um, in, cha- in verse 5 in the same way. It's linking it back in with what came previously. Another way of translating it would be likewise. And so it's linking back in with those elders there. And so I think young men are singled out in the church for submission, for humility towards the elders of the church. Now the question then is why single out the young men in the church? Um, Does that mean that the rest of the people don't have to be submissive to the elders? Is it only the young men? Well, I think it's because young men have a tendency to be more rebellious and probably push the boundaries when the elders give instructions. And we see this even in the secular world. Young people have a bit of an attitude to older people, particularly to people who are in authority. I think that starts when they're young, uh, when they're defiant to their parents. They even have these days a disorder called defiant uh, disorder. Um, and it's, uh, it starts there young. And of course, then as you get older, it doesn't stop and people are arrogant and less humble towards those who are in authority. And I even saw this in a, um, a young Australian activist wrote uh, in a, uh, an online sort of forum. Uh, this person said, Oh, move over, you older person. Young people are already in the game of changing the world. In some areas, young people are the game makers. Talk about social media, blogging, online video and mass group protests. Who's controlling the message here? It's young people all over. In climate change activism and poverty reduction, who are the major domestic players? Youth-led organisations. Move over, you older person. That's the message that young people often have for those people who are in authority. They think they know better than the people who are in authority. And I think in the early church they recognised this, where Peter singles out the young men. If I'm going to start talking about humility, I need to hit people hardest first who are the most rebellious, and that is the young men within the church. And who are they going to be most rebellious towards? Towards those people who are in authority in the church, the church elders. But does that mean that nobody else has to be humble in the church? Well, no. The very next part of verse 5 says what? All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. 
And so we see there that there are times when everybody has to be humble towards everybody else. And this happens in families. You see that everybody is humble towards one another. Everybody serves one another, bends their will so that somebody else's will prevails. Children do this in a family. Their will will be submissive, hopefully more often than not, towards the authority of the parent in the home. But it's interesting that parents humbly serve their children and go according to their will at times as well, particularly when it comes to toileting. If somebody says they need to go to the toilet, my will doesn't really prevail. Their will prevails at that moment. I go, yes, let's go, right now, before something worse happens. Their will prevails. And in a lot of things with little children, that is what you're doing. Their will is prevailing. Their needs need to be met, and you need to serve them, and that takes humility. And sometimes you have to do things for children, little children, which you would think would be the ones being submissive to you, You have to do things for them that you would probably do for nobody else. Some really humiliating kinds of tasks. And you do them because you are humbly serving your children. And then it should also, of course, happen at church. If it happens in the home and we see instructions here, then it's not surprising that it happens at the church. Elders should be humbly serving the people as well. We see that elders are meant to be servants. There's someone at this church that's uh, recently started coming who always prays for me as your servant. When they talk to God, they say, your servant, may you bless your servant. And that's a good reminder for me that I am a servant of the people, that the elders of the church are servants and we should be humbly serving the people. We're not here to lord ourselves over the people, as was said that some people might do in verse 3 when we looked at the instructions for elders. It said there that elders should be not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. We looked at the submission that should come from an elder. But then members are also supposed to be humbly serving the, the elders of the church as well. The members have, a, have an instruction to submit to elders. When elders say something, not just young men should be saying, yes, we're going to go with what they say. It should be everybody in the church is willing to be humble and submit to the will of the elders. And then members should be humbly bending their wills to serve other members in the church. Members should be serving members and have the humility to serve anybody in the church. No matter how much you don't like the person, no matter how much they may be from a different class from you and that you would not normally serve someone in that way, you're meant to have humility and serve that person. And I think this is um, a nice little hint here, even if we start to think about members serving other members, of congregational church government. Some people say that you can't see congregational church government in the scriptures, that you can get any type of church government out of the Bible. I think that there is congregational church government in the Bible. And one way that you could probably see it, um, there's more clearer examples than this, but here where you're told that everybody should, all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, that means that at a congregational church meeting where you get 51% of the people saying, we're going to do this, then what do the other 49% have to do? Well, they have to rally themselves and the next meeting and oppose it, get another motion in that'll, that'll go against it. No, they should humbly submit to what the majority want. Now, I hope that 51% wouldn't be the, the winning uh, uh, vote. I hope that it would be more than that, generally speaking. But it may be that almost half a church has to humbly submit to the decision of the other members. 
And that instruction would come from a verse like this. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. But then the question is, why should I be humble? It's hard to be humble. It means you have to serve others. It means you have to take your pride down a few notches. Why should you do that? Well, Peter tells us in verse 5, and that brings me to my second main point this morning, everyone should show humility toward others because of God. Everyone show humility toward others because of God. And it's there in verse 5. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because... God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. First reason to show humility to others is because God opposes proud people. Why would God oppose proud people? Well, because pride is an attack on God himself. Whenever you are proud and exalting yourself up, you are pulling yourself up, you're putting yourself up to God's level. Particularly when you start to sin, you're saying, I make the rules in my life, not you, O God. You probably wouldn't put O in front of God. Not you, God. I make the rules. And so God opposes such attacks on himself. God doesn't like people who are proud. And that should be an eye-opening thing for us when we're not being humble, when we're being proud people, that God actually opposes us. Because who is God? He's the omnipresent omnipotent, all-powerful, all-knowing, just, holy God? If you have someone opposing you, do you really want them to have all power and all knowledge about you? That is an enemy you do not want to have. And that is God. And he is your enemy if you are not humble, if you are not someone who submits. He, it says there, right there in verse 5, and it's actually a quote from Proverbs chapter 3, which we read as well. God opposes the proud. What's the second reason to be, human, uh, to be humble? Well, God gives grace to the humble. That's there in verse 5 as well. It says there that quote from Proverbs, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to people. He gives grace, firstly, to people when they become a Christian. He forgives their sin by the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. But to be a Christian means you have to humble yourself before God. And so this stands true. He gives grace to the humble, to those people who admit they're sinful, admit they have sinned against God, and come before him and beg for forgiveness. That is a humble way to approach God. And what does God do if you come before him like that? He gives you grace. He forgives your sins. He says they're paid for through the work of Jesus Christ at the cross. And so it rings true. God gives grace to the humble. Have you done that? Has everybody in this room humbled themselves before the living God, acknowledging that they are a sinner and asked for grace? If you have come before him in repentance and asked for forgiveness, then know that he gives you grace. If you have truly asked him for forgiveness, for your sins, you've said, I need you, O God, I'm a wretch before you, then know that he, he, he used to oppose you when you are proud, but now that you have humbled yourself before God, he has administered his grace to you and you are forgiven. And I encourage you, if you've not done that before, to do it today. Don't wait. Otherwise, God is still your enemy and you have not experienced his grace. 
But then as a Christian, we've experienced his grace by humbling ourselves before God, but we still need ongoing grace in our life. It's not as though God gives us his grace and then we can handle it from there. No, I need God's grace every day. If I am to survive, if I am to persevere in the faith to the end, I need God's grace. And how do I get God's grace? Well, it's by being humble. This verse tells me, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If I want God's grace, what do I need to do? I need to humble myself. I need to humble myself before God and I need to humble myself before others. If I want God's grace. So there's two reasons why we should be humble. Everybody should be humble. And reasons for it? Well, it's because God will oppose you and because God will give you grace if you do humble yourself before God. So then the question is, you say, okay, I'm meant to be humble, and there's very good reasons to do so. How do I get humility? How do I show humility? How do I know humility is happening in my life? Well, that brings me to my third main point this morning. Everyone show humility towards others by trusting in God. Everyone show humility towards others by trusting in God. Humility comes by trusting in God. If you sort out your relationship with God you will be humble towards others. If you trust in God, you will start to be humble towards others. See, the thing is, proud people, they don't need to trust in God. They've got everything. They know how they are to live. They, they don't need God to instruct them, and they can control everything in their life. They're proud of their accomplishments. They don't have any need for God. They don't need to trust him. But a humble person, what does a humble person do? A humble person leans on God, trusts in God, believes in God. That faith that they have in God is the conquering power of the sin of pride in their life as they submit themselves to God and trust in him. So the question is, how do you see that humility, that humble trust in God displayed? How do you see that happen in your life? Well, there's a couple of ways that it is shown here in 1 Peter chapter 5, that humility is shown. Firstly, you show humility by trusting God when you suffer under God's hand. What does it say in verse 6? Verse 6 of 1 Peter 5 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand. What is it speaking there about? I think it's talking about suffering. God's mighty hand is over you, and you're feeling the oppression of that mighty hand, what are you to do in that situation? You're meant to humble yourself under that mighty hand. Because there's a natural reaction whenever we're suffering to buck up against the suffering. When you experience pain, whether it be physical or mental anguish, as someone is attacking you, particularly as a Christian, your body will cry out, for relief from that pain. And the first thing you might start to think about is, well, why am I being persecuted? It's because I'm being faithful to God. I'm being holy. I'm living according to God's way. And so how will I get rid of this pain of this persecution? Well, I'll stop being a Christian or I'll stop living a holy life. That's an easy way to solve my problem. But that is not a humble way of dealing with persecution. A humble way says... Yes, I'm suffering for being a Christian. As uh, chapter 4 was describing, that many people suffer for being a Christian. But when you suffer for being a Christian, you don't get proud and think, I know how I can deal with the problem. What do you do? You trust in God. You humble yourself before God and say, you know what is best. You are a good and loving God and I trust you 
through this experience. I am a finite being. You are infinite. You are infinite. And so I will humble myself, trust that you are right in this situation. That's one way that we can show humility and show our trust in God. The other way, a second way, is show humility by trusting God in patience. What does it say there in verse 6? It says, Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. See, there's a promise there, that he may lift you up in due time. God will exalt you. You may be under his mighty hand at this time, but he will lift you up at his time, in his season. What does that then require? That requires patience. You need to wait for God's timing, God's will to be that you are exalted. God wants to glorify you. He wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant about you. But it's not you who should be exalting yourself up. You've got to wait for God to do it in his season. Now, it may be in this life that he raises you up. You've been persecuted or you've been in some uh, very bad circumstances. And it may be that in his time he raises you up. As you've been humbly, patient and trusting in him, he raises you up. Or it may be that it's the next life, that you experience that problem all your life, that persecution, that pain, that problem. It's all your life. But know that after death, he will indeed lift you up. And that requires you to humble yourself, trust in God, and be patient for his timing. And then the third way that we can show humility by trusting God is in anxiety. Verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 5 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now, this verse had to be one of the first verses I learned as a kid. I still remember very young learning this verse, and so it's been very dear to me all my life. Um, I remember it particularly, I was taught at a Sunday school, and that week I went to the dentist. And all the way, we used to travel about 45 minutes to get to the dentist, and the whole way I'm thinking about this verse, cast all your anxiety, because I was afraid that I'd have to get another filling and that there'd be pain and the fear of someone poking around in your mouth is not fun. And so I remember this verse for all my life. But this week, it was interesting. I learned something about this verse. This verse is tied into humility. It's not out there on its own. It's connected with humility. And so how do you cast your anxiety on God because he cares for you? How do you do that? Because you can't pull it out and throw it away, throw it at God. How do you do that? Well, it's by having humility. And how do you have humility? Well, you trust in God. See, a proud person is inevitably an anxious person. What does a proud person do? A proud person thinks that they can handle everything. They think they've got their finger on the pulse. They've got everything going rightly. But what happens in this world? Well, we're not omnipotent. We're not all-powerful. And things will break down. The things that you want to happen, your plans that you make, will fail at some point. And what do you do then? You worry. You get anxious. Because you can't control everything in your life. And so you have this worrying complex. And you get really anxious. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to be trusting God. If you have the humility to acknowledge that you're not God, that you're not in control of all things, then you will start to leave more and more with God. You will start to trust him, saying, you are God, you are the omnipotent one, you are the one who controls everything. I'll work hard at doing what you've called me to do, but the rest of the details, 
I don't have to worry about them. I don't have to be anxious because I am trusting in you. But that requires humility. That requires you to have a good, hard look at yourself and realise how hopeless you are, how finite you are, how ill-equipped you are to run everything in your life. And you need God. And so you need to humble yourself, knowing that he is the one who is in control. And wonderfully, he's in control whilst caring for you. See that in verse 17, the second half of verse, uh, not 17, verse 7. Second half says there, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's not like you're flinging, flinging your anxiety at God and he's taking them all, but then things are still going to go pear-shaped for you. No, he cares for you. He's working things out for you. And so you aren't blindly trusting him. No, you know that he's working for your good. So do you want humility because you fear God's opposition and want more grace? Well, the answer should be yes. And how do you get it? By trusting God. Trusting God in persecution. Trusting God in uh, the, the, the patience that you need to wait for him to raise you up in due time. And trusting him in the anxiety of your life, in the worries of your life. We all need to do this. I've seen this even in my own life more recently as a pastor, particularly as a pastor. I received great encouragement from many people to go into ministry. I pushed them back at first and said, no, 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 I'm not interested in going into ministry. But people encouraged me to. So I tried preaching a few times and I got good feedback about my preaching. And I gave pastoral counsel to people and people seemed to respond well to my pastoral counsel. And so I carefully evaluated and went, yes, I think I should go into ministry. And so I went to Bible college and then you here at Des Moines Baptist graciously asked me to be your pastor here. And I thought that by coming here and preaching the Bible faithfully as I'd been told that I preached well and giving pastoral counsel and being kind and gracious to people that we'd see the church flourish and grow and expand and, and it would be wonderful. But I've been here now into my fifth year and it hasn't done that. It hasn't done what I assumed would happen. And so I've had some struggles with that. And particularly last year, I had some really hard times thinking about that and a couple of other issues about pastoral ministry. But then I think that through all that, God was teaching me humility. And it's an ongoing lesson that I'm even learning today. I saw that I needed to submit to God's hand in the discouragement. What it says there, um, humble yourself there under God's mighty hand. He mighty hand is over this church and I need to humble myself and in the discouragement that it is to not see a church grow I need to humble myself in that and I need to also know that he may lift you that he may lift you up in due time I need to know his timing his timing is not my timing and I need to know that the anxiety I feel about that I need to leave with God I need to trust that he knows what he is doing and not get worried about the discouragement that it is, that I preach faithfully, I give pastoral counsel and I try and do my best and things that I would like to see happen don't happen. I need to leave that with God. I, don't need to, I shouldn't be getting anxious and worrying about it and because that's what many pastors do. They get so anxious and worried about the discouragements that they're experiencing in pastoral ministry that they end up getting really sick, even physically sick. And that must be because they're not humbling themselves before God and trusting in him in that work that they're doing. And it's interesting that in the last couple of weeks, we've seen a few extra people coming along, and that's been a great encouragement. 
But what does that mean now that I've experienced this four and a bit years of not seeing much growth while I'm praying and preaching and giving pastoral counsel? What does it mean that if people start to come, what happens if Des Moines Baptist Church really grows and takes off now? Well, I'm not going to take any of the glory. It's going to be all glory goes to God because I haven't changed. I'm still preaching the same way I did. I'm still praying the same way I did. I'm still giving pastoral counsel the same way I did. If any growth comes now, it's all of God. It's all him. And so when I came young and fresh out of Bible college, and you probably still consider me to be young and fresh out of Bible college, if it had grown, I would have exalted myself in my mind and said, look at how well I preach. And that's why this growth is coming through. But now, if that happens, I will recognise that after going through this season, that it is all of God if there is any growth to be had. And so maybe God will lift me up in due time. Maybe he won't. If he doesn't, if Dremoyne Baptist Church shrinks and dies, well, that's his will. And I shouldn't be getting anxious and worrying about it all the time because that is something I need to live with God. I, I leave with God. I need to trust in him and his timing. So what about in your life? Do you recognise a need to be humble, a need for humility? Do you recognise that you need that humility because God opposes proud people and gives grace to the humble? And do you trust in God? If you see that you need humility in your life, do you humble yourself before God and trust in him? Trust in him in the midst of persecution, in the midst of his mighty hand being above you and pain coming into your life? Do you trust in him? Do you humble yourself before that pain and trust that he knows what he's doing? Do you show humility, a humble trust in him in patience, knowing that in due time he will lift you up? Do you do that? And do you trust him in the anxieties and worries that come up in your life? We all do it. We worry about things. Some of us more than others, but we all worry about things. When those worries come up, do you see that as a moment of pride in your life and that you need to humble yourself before God and trust that he knows what he's doing and leave those things that you can't control? I mean, some worries come up rightly so because you need to get going and do some stuff. But many worries come about things that you can't control at all. I mean, things people worry about the weather. I mean, you can't. Why bother worrying about the weather? You can't do anything about it. Leave it with God. Trust in him. The weather's a frivolous one, but we worry about so many frivolous things. Leave them with God. Do you do that? When worries come up, when anxieties come up that you can't control, do you show humility and trust God at those times? Let us come before our God. Let us speak with him. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and admit that we are proud people. We love to exalt ourselves and put ourselves in your place rather than humble ourselves and put ourselves where we belong. Lord, we pray that you may give us much humility. We thank you that you have given so many people in this room humility before you in admitting that they are sinful creatures and have come for you for grace, have come for you for forgiveness for their sins. But Lord, all of us need ongoing grace in our lives. And therefore, we need ongoing humility. Lord, we pray that we may be humble when we experience 
pain and persecution, may we submit ourselves before your mighty hand. Lord, we pray that we may know humble trust in you when we have to be patient and wait for your timing when you will lift us up. And Lord, we pray that we may be humble and trust in you when worries and anxieties crop up in our lives. Lord, may we indeed cast our anxiety on you, knowing that you care for us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.